rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. So I think uh, Zero Sum is actually my favorite episode of The X-Files. That's a bold statement. Okay. Well, it has uh, Mitch Pileggi and uh, Tidy Whitey's at one point, and that's really all I need. Yeah, that was a pretty good scene. I, I enjoyed that scene quite a bit. And um, I mean, I know there was probably an episode around that, but that's really all that matters. Yeah, I think Richard blacked out when that happened and didn't wake up until right before we were ready to start recording. I've got this big smile on my face. It's great. It's an interesting episode. And yeah, it's 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 funny how they this is a very weird episode and yet there's nothing that's, you know, ballsy experimental about it, but this is a very bizarre episode. I loved this episode. And it's also interesting because this episode really came about uh, accidentally. The The only reason they, they actually wrote this episode is because, as I understand it, Jillian Anderson was off filming a, a movie. Um, for, okay. She got permission to do that for a week or so. And instead of doing another, uh, you know, Duchovny-heavy episode without Jillian Anderson, they decided to, to do another Skinner-heavy episode like Avatar from the end of the third season. Yeah, and, I was wondering why, because, yeah, she is only mentioned, you know, a couple times in this episode, but... And it, it works, too, because it does, it does, uh, it's a nice accident, it, it's a happy coincidence, because, of course, it, it, it is an opportunity for them to, you know, briefly touch on her cancer again, and, yeah. you know, this is this is not a heavy Scully's Got Cancer week, but it also is mentioned in both episodes. I actually would say this is kind, you know, this is kind of as heavy Scully's Got Cancer week because, you know, both of these episodes have the subtext of Scully has cancer and they kind of drive both episodes. We'll obviously talk about uh, Elegy, you know, more, but um, this is all, I mean, this is a follow up to that scene at the end of, I think it was Memento Mori, where, um, you know, Skinner, you know, sells his soul to the cigarette smoking man. And now we find out what he's been doing and what exactly his price was. Yeah, because in a, in a certain sense, I mean, this is really an episode which is showing us the other side of what Skinner's been doing all yeah. this time. It is an episode which is giving us the background information, the the context and the insight and the, the interior peek into you know, really what, what Skinner's been, been up to uh, ever since we met him yeah. at the end of the first season. And it seems pretty bad. I think that what's interesting about Zero Game is, A, it, it, it does strike you as a very different type of episode, especially in the first half of it, where it's basically just Skinner uh, going around yeah. to, to various exotic locations. And, you know, I use that term funnily because Virginia is not necessarily an exotic location. Yeah. And, you know, destroying evidence, all this kind of stuff, right? And you're like, what is going on here? And the other part of it is that, which I which I really appreciate, is it's an opportunity for the show to, to do something which it, it doesn't do that often, which is to show the conspiracy from the other side or, or maybe even a third side, because I don't know that I would necessarily say that Skinner is on the Mulder and Scully side of it. I yeah. don't think he necessarily is on the syndicate cigarette smoking man side either. No, I mean, it's the kind of thing where uh, in terms of his morality, he's on the side of Mulder and Scully, but in terms of, what needs to be done. He's on the side of the conspiracy. I mean, in some ways he's trying to play both sides, but you know, 
to, to, to ask Skinner about it, what he's doing is a necessary evil in order to save Scully. And, you know, as much as he's beginning to feel like I'm doing more than I, 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 I'm doing more than I accept or I, that I want to do, you know, part of the cigarette smoking man's point is, you know, what the hell did you expect? You, you know, you, you, you're asking the devil for help and then you're, you know, balking at what he's making you do like you knew what you were getting into the second you called me yeah no exactly and and you know what i what i like about that so much is that it really does portray skinner as a very conflicted person you know i think that he's gotten into this situation and how he's gotten into it is is probably not that important but we can we can extrapolate or 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 sort of you know spin theories out about how that happened but at the end of the day, he's really at a rock and a hard place, and he's walking a very fine line, and it's not really clear how he's going to get out of this. Yeah, I mean, there is—this episode is very much the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? Like, everything he's doing is to save Scully's life. That is as noble a cause as you can do, and he's willing to sacrifice himself, you know? And all of that is wonderful, but— you know, when he's saying, like, I'm not going to be party to murder, I mean, he almost comes off as naive a little bit there. I Yeah, I mean, I read that a, di- a little differently. I mean, it doesn't come across as naive to me. It comes across as a man who's trying to convince himself of something. Mm. And, I, I mean, I, I don't know whether or not that's an accurate statement on, on, on Skinner's part, but... It's it's very it's a very upsetting episode as yeah. well because you know Skinner was out. I mean, he did tell the cigarette smoking man to get the fuck out. Uh, he was definitely not working for them anymore, and you know now he gets sucked back in. And what you can really see, I think, and what makes Skinner such an interesting character, especially in the way that the show has developed him ever since he he first appeared, is that he is the character that is the most compromised he is the character yeah. that i think is is kind of ends justify the means in a certain sense and that he is the person who is taking the fall for Mulder and Scully and protecting them all the time you know he he really does view his job as i need to protect my agents and however i'm yeah. going to do that is is okay by me and i mean we can have a conversation about whether or not you think he's right to to do what he does in this episode but it is coming from a place that i think skinner can justify in his own mind but what's more interesting is that skinner is starting to need or want to justify that to Mulder as well i mean i keep yeah. coming back to that last scene where or you know one of the one of the last scenes between skinner and and Mulder at the end of the episode where you know Skinner's essentially saying what what do you think I'm doing all yeah. this for and I don't think he would have said that a year or two ago no you know he would have said that yeah I I guess part of me for Skinner is that like when when he initially approached the cigarette smoking man and said you know cure your cure her cancer I'll do what I can don't make you know and he's saying to Mulder like don't make that choice you don't want to make that choice there is the sense that you know, Mulder can still be sta- saved, but Skinner feels that he's already damned, he's already, you know, compromised, so he can't be compromised any further, he can't be corrupted any further, like, you know, you, you know, I'm gonna protect, you know, he's, uh, he's gonna save Scully from cancer, and he's gonna protect Mulder from, you know, crossing that line and corrupting his own innocence, uh, 
because Skinner's already there, but, you know, this is Skinner realizing that there is much further that he can fall in this, and, you know, trying to desperately draw that line, and... In a sense, I think that he's looking for Mulder to save him back, right? Like his, yeah, you know, he's he he finds that, you know, Mulder's innocence in a way is where his salvation can come from, because yeah, Mulder is yeah. someone who has not yet compromised his principles. Yeah, because I well, I think there's two things there, right? Number one, of course, is that as as much as Skinner thinks he knows about the extent of yeah. the the conspiracy and the cigarette smoking man and who he works for and what they do. He doesn't, right? He only sees a small piece of it as Mulder sees a small piece of it. The cigarette smoky man is letting Skinner see the slice of this that he wants him to see the way that he's most useful. And so that, I think, is a mistake on Skinner's part. And the other piece of that as well, of course, is that you're right. Like Skinner is looking to Mulder to to get him out of this in a certain sense. And that's almost a complete reversal of the relationship Mm. as it was first established because if you remember like Mulder was you know he was Mulder was more uh, untrusting of of Skinner than than Scully ever was but he also did want to believe in Skinner and he just felt like Skinner was putting up these roadblocks and was getting more and more frustrated with Skinner did not trust him and as you know the relationship developed he started to trust Skinner more and more and you know now it's almost the exact opposite of that where Skinner really wants Mulder to help him yeah yeah um he's trying to explain that he has you know because Mulder has good reasons for not trusting him he doesn't know whose side Skinner is on and I think Skinner is trying to assure him that like I'm doing the wrong things for the right reason in a way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I don't I don't know that I necessarily agree that that Mulder doesn't know what side Skinner is on. I mean, I think that there's a there's a I think that was pretty definitively answered, but it's starting to become a question again. And I think the other subtext of the episode is that, you know, because Mulder is in it, but he's not the driving force of the episode. We're not in his head in the same way that we yeah, are yeah. in a lot of other X-Files episodes. And I think what what is interesting is that I think Mulder is starting to wonder if he was wrong about Skinner. Mm. Yeah, because you know, for all evidence, he has you know, and and even if he knows that Skinner is on his side, I think he's wondering if he's fucking up about it. You know, and and to a degree, maybe Skinner has fucked up by doing this. You know, maybe there is the price of Scully's health is too too great to do this i mean maybe that is part of the you know what's unspoken between them that that certainly could be the case as well because of course you know like like a lot of the best x-files episodes we we don't know exactly why any of this is being done i mean skinner is being sent to this bathroom to, to clean up this crime scene yeah you know then he's going to collect the evidence and for what we don't know. I mean, it's the return of the the bees from uh, from Heron Volk, um, so that's nice to see. But you know, aside from that, we don't really know uh, yeah. what Skinner's covering up. And I mean, it's it, it seems like he's covering up the fact that the syndicate is testing the smallpox infected bees on the populace or something like that, which doesn't seem great. But Skinner's role in it is pretty small, yeah. all things considered. It's a MacGuffin, really, and I guess what. 
you know, part of it is this cryptic conversation at the end between the cigarette smoking man and Linda Lovelace, where, you know, they're saying, has he seen all there is to see? And part of me almost gets the sense that they don't really care whether this is covered up or not. Like, the point of having Skinner cover this up is so that he knows what there is to be covered up, if that makes any sense. Like, I don't know. They're, they're, it, it, it's... I don't know why they're doing this. It kind of doesn't matter to a degree. Again, it's a MacGuffin, but... Um, well, I mean, it, 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 I don't know. It kind of does matter because now you're now you saying that makes me think, like, maybe they're just fucking with him or maybe they're hazing him. You know what I mean? Why, they don't need Skinner to do any of this. I mean, obviously, some they sent some guy to murder the police officer that saw him. So yeah. it's not like that guy couldn't have cleaned a bathroom and, you know, did a little sleight of hand and swapped out the, you know, the blood vial. They're bringing him in deep to this. I mean, he is at the point where he's owned by them to a little bit of a degree. I mean, Cigarette Man makes it clear, like, no matter, like, if you confess to what's going on, we're untouchable and you're going to get, you know, in deep for obstruction of justice if you're not going to get, you know, caught for murder. Like, you're getting caught for something if you come clean. You know, he he is putting them himself they are putting him in their debt much more than skinner i think realized he would be yes and no i mean i i don't know if dad is necessarily the right way to look at it because well yeah you know i i think that whether or not they're actually going to do what they say they're going to do and that's why skinner is doing all of this stuff is is an open question i mean that is the part that that may be putting him in their debt yeah but I mean, just by dint of the fact that he's doing this stuff, it's not necessarily putting Skinner in their debt, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but there is a degree of the only way out is through, though. Like, at this point, he is in deep enough that he can't get out, and, you know, there, he's kind of going on the conspiracy side by default. In- sure, yeah. Well, and and... I mean, the other part of it, too, of course, which we haven't explicitly mentioned yet, is that, of course, you know, the new Deep Throat, uh, Maritza, Linda Lovelace, as you call her, uh, is actually working for the Cigarette Smoking Man. And that was a big revelation at the end of the episode. But I I mean, were you surprised by that? Yeah, a bit, especially because she is the one who's urging Skinner, like, you've got to do the right thing on this and all of that. And I mean, what... That conversation in particular, there is somebody in the background who's out of focus, and it's unclear who that is, but I don't know if she's in the syndicate's office. I mean, that that's kind of what – that was the sense that I got. I rewatched the scene, and it was a little less clear, but, um, you know, she's work. She, she obviously knows a lot more than is going on. She's not a simple, you know, secretary attache to the, you know, attorney – to the uh, secretary general or whatever. Right, yeah, exactly. I mean, she, that that's probably her cover in the same way that the cigarette smoking man yeah. going to the FBI office is a cover, you know, but w- w- she might be higher up than we've seen before, you know, and, and that's kind of an indication to me that either the, the, the conspiracy is, is taking Mulder and Scully more seriously or that, um, or who knows, I mean, that, that they keep yeah. moving up in, in responsibility level to, to a certain degree. And um, of course, there is the fact that, you know, even if she is working with the conspiracy, this is a show where, you know, people are playing all sides against each other. We don't know if she legitimately is on the side of the conspiracy or she's just a double, triple, reverse mole. 
<laughs> yeah, and there, there's a certain degree to which you're kind of like, all right, X-Files, put the brakes on. Like, you're getting yeah. a little complicated <laughs> here. But yeah, I think that's that's a fair point as well. Well, and I, I think, you know, moving aside from that, though, I, I do want to go back to, to Skinner and Mulder, though, because one of the other key moments in that episode, at least on an emotional level for me, is, um, you know, when Mulder says, you know, oh, maybe you're lying to me. And Skinner says, I have lied to you, right? And, yeah. And that to me feels on a level of this, this season in a lot of ways is about characters finally saying the things that are sort of unspoken between them. Yeah. You know, going back to, uh, you know, in the episode with the, uh, you know, paper hearts where, you know, Mulder finally asked the question, you know, what do you think? Do you ever do you did you ever actually believe that my sister was abducted by aliens? And now we get Skinner's version of that, which is, well, yeah, I have lied to you. And it's played very, very well. Yeah, it's his equivalent of why don't I have a desk? I mean, this is a you know, this is a this is a very significant point. This is a very turning season for the X Files. This is one that's you know, I, I, I think we've said a lot of the episodes of the X Files are about the X Files and you know, this is meta in not a very in not it's not in an experimental way, but it is one where, you know, the show has coasted on a lot of certain assumptions and you know, I respect the show and the characters for recognizing the unspoken assumptions which they have labored under for the past couple of years and realizing that – I mean that it's, a, it's in a way a testament to their intelligence that they are questioning these things. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I think that's one of the things that, that I always appreciate so much about the X-Files is that these are people that, that don't – really swallow bullshit very easily and these are people that they don't really stick to the to the party line very easily and they they have an, an intelligence and a way of thinking that is very independent and they're 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 not afraid to think that what they believe is wrong i mean Mulder's not afraid yeah. to do that scully's not afraid to do that and i don't think skinner is afraid to do that either now where all this will lead is an open question of course because we still don't have a cure for Scully's cancer, and it seems ambivalent at the end of this episode whether or not the cigarette smoking man has one either. I mean, I get the sense that he does, but on the other hand, you know, I, 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 I mean, obviously, I know that Jillian Anderson, you know, is still on the show, so you know, she obviously does survive the cancer, and you know, let's not forget that Clive Bruckman, you know, told her she doesn't die, but um. You know, he is being, I mean, he's, that last scene, he is fucking with Skinner because he knows, you know, he's reveling in the power he has over Skinner. He may be a little shaken at the fact that Skinner shot the wall, but he knows that Skinner will not shoot him. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And I mean, I don't know, we haven't talked about about Mulder a lot in this episode. And I, I think in a lot of ways, he's he's just a vehicle for, for getting getting the plot moving. But like I said before, there, there's not a lot of internalness to his performance in this episode, and we're not. This is not an episode where we get into Mulder's head. Really, he's just going from point A to point A, uh, and I say that very deliberately because he doesn't ever really figure out what's going <laughs> on. Uh, and you know, at the end of the day, like I think that the episode is really smart to put us in Mulder. You know, by by not telling us why Skinner is doing what he's doing, 
by setting it up. I mean, this episode is very nicely constructed in the way that it just follows Skinner doing these various horrible tasks for like 15 minutes and we have no context for why he's doing any of this. And then, of course, Mulder appears and he's like, hey, bud, what's going on? What you doing? You know, and it's really weirdly nicely played and it's a very smart choice for the show to not give us any more information than Mulder has because it puts us on an even footing with Mulder. But it is also the kind of episode where, I mean, I did guess that, okay, maybe these are some errands he's doing for the cigarette smoking man and, you know, maybe these are the bees from Heronvoke and stuff, but in a way which, I mean, the show I think is rewarding you for having watched the show and letting you feel clever in figuring that out. Like, I liked that. Yeah, it's certainly not an episode that is is calling attention to itself in a way that a lot of the other mythology episodes do. Yeah. You know, it is like, I mean, it is like the previous Skinner episode, um, the the Succubus one, uh, in where... Avatar. Avatar, yeah, and it's a very subtle mythology episode. I don't even know if I would say it's subtle. I mean, I think it's it's pretty obviously a mythology episode, but it's a very off-brand mythology yeah, episode. Yeah, I guess Maybe that's, that's why I like it so much. Yeah, no, they, again, they, the, the mythology episodes lately have felt revitalized. You know, they are coming at it from more oblique angles. It's not just like hybrids and, you know, here's Crycheck, and I know we're going to have all of that again, but, you know, and I lament that that's going to happen again, but I like that they're still figuring out ways to make them interesting. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And and I guess the last thing I, I do want to mention or briefly touch on is the fact that that this episode seems to indicate that that Skinner used to be a pretty good field agent and maybe he's still got some of those skills, but he's also lost some of those skills because, you know, he's able to get things over on like some local local yokel PD and stuff like that. But, you know, Mulder's got his number immediately. Like Mulder runs into him in his office and he's like, yes, I'm just writing you a note. And Mulder's like, yeah, sure you are. I, I don't know. It's just interesting to me that Skinner thinks that he's going to be able to get one over on Mulder. No, no. A, a lesser agent may have been fooled, but Mulder has a backup of the files. Mulder recognizes that, you know, his blood, you know, the fakery with the switched blood was good, but not good enough. You know, Mulder recognizes all of these things. And, you know, it, it, it's Skinner's being very clever, but not quite clever enough. And maybe he is underestimating uh, Mulder still. Or maybe he doesn't want to. Maybe he's kind of letting him get himself get caught in a way or, or letting himself go under some suspicion. That could be. Subconsciously, at least. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. All right, well, we'll move on to Elegy in just a moment. But before we do that, I do want to remind you all that we do have a Patreon. If you would like to go and give us a little bit of your hard-earned money each and every month and support this show that you listen to each and every week, and we work hard to bring it to you each and every week, please go to patreon.com slash trekaboutshow and give now. Okay, let's talk about Elegy. Uh, I liked Elegy because, like, Elegy is a bad episode in its mystery plot, right? Like, the actual what is going on sucks. And, in a way, you know, I said MacGuffin earlier, the case really is a MacGuffin now because... Like, the episode doesn't even care about the solution to the mystery. Like, there is this half-assed, you know, oh, well, the nurse was stealing his medication, and she went crazy and killed people, and, you know, he's seeing a ghost because he's dying. Like, I think that's it. Like, it's so half-assed, but feels very deliberately so, because the mystery is just a way for us to 
further talk about what is actually interesting in that moment, and that is Scully and her reaction to her cancer. I would like to be with you on that. You but want to believe? I want to believe you, yes. But I think that, like, it's just becoming... Well, let me put it to you this way. So I usually pay attention to the opening credits to, to see who writes each episode. And for this week, for whatever reason, I didn't. My dog jumped at me or something. I don't know. And I looked up after the fact who wrote it, and it all clicked into place for me. Because you know who wrote this episode? John Sheban. And I just don't think that John Sheban is very good at plotting episodes. Now, which one this was he? El Mundo Hira. Oh. Yeah. So okay. I want to think that this was deliberate, but I don't think it was deliberate. No, and, and, and it is clear that, I mean, there is in a way too much focus on the mystery for the mystery to be just kind of the gateway, right? Like, if my interpretation were right, there would be less mystery. It would be a little more glossed over. No, absolutely, and I, I think that that I, I think that if you have a mystery episode where the mystery is just the MacGuffin to get into an actual episode where they want to talk about you know the the emotional um, you know upheaval that that Scully is going through having cancer, great, fine, like that's a great episode, and I'll watch that episode. But I think John Sheban is just really bad at plotting episodes, and this is nonsense, frankly, like. I get, the, okay, there's a ghost and the women that are dying can see the guy and he sees the ghosts. Why can the guy see the ghosts? Why does Scully see the ghost? Who knows? Is there a proximity thing involved? Like, why is the guy mentally handicapped? There's just a lot of things about this that, that are, at turns, just badly plotted and objectionable or offensive. And then... The end of it is so half-assed, it almost has to be a joke. Well, he is particularly bad at endings. I mean, I'll agree with that, knowing that, you know, like, because that was the problem with El Mundahira, right? Like, I thought that was a fine episode until, like, the last 10 minutes in which it just totally kind of fell apart. But it's not even, like, it's not even, like, telegraphed at all. I mean, yeah, if you're going to write this type of episode... Or, or any episode of the X-Files, for that matter, I think that you probably need to know where you're going before you get there. Yeah, no, it seems, you know, this is almost one of those somebody else writes three quarters of the episode and then he just kind of, you know, passes it to somebody else who finishes it. Like, that's how his episodes feel. Yeah, but that's never the case. <laughs> no, I know, which is a really, which is particularly the problem with it. Like, I mean, it, it, it's... This is an episode that was not revised, it almost feels like. He just wrote it, came up with a thing, and then didn't seed the clues. Like, I want to be very clear about how much I dislike the end of this episode. Like, I think it is horrible. Oh, like, it, it is. makes absolutely no sense. It comes out of nowhere. It 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 just, it, it almost seems like, I mean, I swear to God that I really do feel at this point that John Schieben is trolling us. Or he is, like, making fun of plots or something like on a very meta level like i and i just let me put it this way the only way for a registered nurse to get medication she's addicted to is by stealing it from another patient like there are other ways of getting this medication that she can have like that 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 just 
You know, that that detail alone seemed weird. And she was addicted to medicine. What? Wasn't that the thing? Wasn't that, you know, she's stealing his medication and, you know, that made her loopy and kill people. That was what I got from it. No, I thought that she was killing the people and she was stealing his medication to make him have violent outbursts so as to frame him. No, they mentioned it at some point, you know, she, they mentioned at some point that she was taking the medication. Like, don't they say like, well, she was, you know, druggy and loopy. I mean, Scully says that at one point. It's making even less sense, isn't it? No, no, I don't think they said that about her at all. I could be wrong, but. I definitely got that. As I understand it, she was murdering these women because she hated women or something. And she was using uh, Harold as a scapegoat and was stealing his medicine so as to exacerbate his violent tendencies to frame him for the murders. I don't think she was taking the medication, no. I'm fairly sure she was. And also, why would she? Because she It's not the kind of medication that's going to get you high. No, they mentioned Clonopin or something like that. Right, so why would she take it? People get addicted to clonopin. I don't know. I don't. I don't think that's right. <laughs> I don't think that's right at all. Well, but re- regardless of why it happened, I mean, the fact that we have two wildly different interpretations yes. of the end of the episode is a clear, ex- a clear example of the fact that this episode is fucking bullshit. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, ni- neither of that makes neither explanation feels satisfying. I think that's an understatement. Well, I mean, and the other thing, too, is that, um, like, we have to talk about the other elephant in the room, which is that, like, why is Harold mentally handicapped? And why do all the mentally handicapped people feel like the laziest interpretations of what it's like to be mentally handicapped? I mean, if this, I think they wanted to, you know, that this is a, you know, an episode that's trying to show us a weird subculture of America, and it's one that comes across in 2018 as fairly insensitive. I don't know if this came that way then, but, you know, I, I, this is an episode which comes from the impulse of mentally handicapped people are weird. And I mean, I, 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 I think there's the vague sympathies that he had for migrant workers in Amunda Hero, but at the same time, there is a condescension and an otherness to them. I mean, you, that that you could that 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 speech at the end of Mundo Hira about you know well these people are aliens in the literal sense of the term could just as easily be transplanted to this episode and that's a problem with it too that's its view of these people yeah no I'm totally with you I mean I I, I think that the the portrayal of the the residents of, of the of the uh, mental hospital is is frankly um, unconscionable and is is frankly just so uh, offensive I mean. Like, there's a real indication that these are on some level not, like, real people. Yeah. And that they don't... Like, I mean, think back to an episode like Roland from the first season, right? Where... Which we had our problems with that episode, but... The, the the mentally uh, challenged people in that episode at least felt like real people with internal lives and emotions and, and hopes and dreams of their own. Whereas the mentally, uh, you know, handicapped uh, challenged people in this episode really do just feel like they're not people. That the yeah. episode has contempt for them, that they are weird, that they they look like they smell weird, they look like they don't bathe. I mean, it's just there. there's something about this which is just so just just 
disturbing to me that i mean i do i mean am i being too hard on it do you think i'm reading something into it i just i don't like it i mean maybe we're coming from uh you know, with this nurse being a killer who hates these people, I mean, they, they, I, I'm assuming they are not getting the best standard of care, to be fair. But the episode is not about that, you know? It, it, no, it's not. Yeah. And, and I it's mean, not about that. And I, I have to read into what I see in the episode as well. I mean, the doctor seems well meaning, but. Yeah. I you know, don't know. and I like, mean, that, that, that's a. If the episode, that's another failing of the episode. It could be about the fact that, you know, people in psychiatric hospitals are very prone to abuse from asshole nurses. You know, that, that is a thing. There are, you know, you, you know, read, read, read articles about there are actual nurses who will abuse their patients in this way and worse. And if the episode wanted to be about that, you know, that would be the case. But, you know, the episode is not willing or capable to go there. Yeah, I agree with that because I, I, I think that we always get to this point with John Sheeban episodes, which is like, what is this episode about? Yeah. And, and and I don't I could not tell you what this episode was about. It was about 45 minutes. Oh, um, and again, <laughs> maybe that's why I said, you know, this episode is about Scully's cancer because you know, the insights into Scully's can I mean, let's face it, the insights we have into Scully's cancer are not the deepest insights the show has given into them, but it's still nice to have her wrestling with them, I guess. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little more, because I, I, I do think that there's there's a little bit more meat to that than, than the rest of this episode, for sure. It is a kind of a nice counterpart to Never Again, though, where her ambivalence to you know this is another chapter in her ambivalence towards Mulder right like she at some points finds herself um to be limited by him right he is a very strong presence in her life a very singular character a very uh you know uh, and she does resent sometimes being subsumed to him but at other times you know his strength and his passion are things which do keep her going I mean she is you know at this point, you know, her, at this point, she needs a reason to fight in order to beat this cancer, right? Like, she does need, you know, something to keep her going. And, you know, Mulder's quest is that thing sometimes. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think that that I really like the scene where, with the uh, uh, psychiatrist that comes back again from, I think, the second season. Dolores Herbig. Um, yeah, yeah, the the one that she talked to, I believe, right after yes. her father died, right? And um, that is really, really nice. I, I, I like that little detail a lot in this episode. And the fact that it indicates that, you know, if Scully has not been seeing this woman on an ongoing basis, at least she she's able to, to see her on an as-needed basis. Yeah. And that that's, I think, probably the finest scene in the episode. And it almost feels like someone else wrote that scene, frankly. Um, you know, I don't know if someone else did. I would be surprised, but who knows? Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, writers get, you know, uncredited rewrites. Um, but it is the case that, like, you know, she does say in that, in, in that scene with, with the psychiatrist that um, it was important for her to, that she kept working, which we yeah. already knew. But it's just played very nicely. And like you said, it's not the most revelatory uh, Scully has cancer moments. It doesn't really tell us anything else about how Scully is feeling about cancer. Surprise, surprise, she's feeling bad about it. Yeah. Um, 
but it's just very nicely played. Yeah, and you know, um, and then you know there is that follow up conversation towards the end where she confesses, you know, I saw the ghost, and I mean, this is also a counterpart to uh, Small Potatoes in a way where you know Mulder and Scully don't really talk, and you know, as close as they feel to each other. Scully is still leery about telling Mulder everything that she feels about how she's dying. I mean, that was part of the subtext in her birthday scene when, you know, oh, you never celebrated my birthday, you know, it's because I'm dying, but she doesn't actually say that. Like, it's, you know, there is a sadness that it needs to take something like this for them to open up to each other, but, um, you know... Mulder has a deeper insight into her than she's she gives him credit for, you know? And, you know, at one point, you know, he says to her at one point, like, you know, believe what you want to believe, but, you know, you can't hide the truth. Like, you need to be honest with me. I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want you to tell me what I want to hear, but I want, he wants candidness from her. Yeah, I think so. He I mean, because the other thing... He deserves that. I mean, that, you know, if she owes him anything, it is just honesty. And he, you know, she deserves the same from him. Yes, I mean, I, I think that people are, are... are I don't know. I think people deserve some degree of privacy. And I think that, yes. that you know, if if Scully is not sharing every single emotion that she's having with Mulder about this, you know, horrible situation she finds herself in, I, yeah. I, I don't think that that's a problem. But but there's I a do, there's a difference between privacy and honesty. Like you can be honest while still having boundaries. You can, or you can say, "I don't want to answer that question." I I, I think that's right. But I think the other thing that is interesting about her. Uh, telling Mulder at the end of the episode that she saw the ghost and not necessarily the fact that, oh, you know, all the people that see ghosts are people that are dying and whatever the hell that means because we're all dying. You know, I mean, the guy that died of a heart attack didn't have any sort of like, you know, long term medical problem that we know of. So it's kind of a cop out on the show's part, but whatever Um, is that. It's a small indication that I think maybe Scully is taking some of the lessons of small potatoes to heart that, you know, maybe she would not have told Mulder that uh, before the events of that episode. But she realizes that she feels closer to Mulder than perhaps she thinks she did. And so in, in a different way, of course, because they've always been close. They've always worked well together. They've always had a respect for each other, if not a love for each other. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're not people that, um, are having like long heart to heart conversations all the time. But this is a small indication maybe on her part that she is more willing to open up to him. They are trend. Cause, cause I, you know, part of me wants to say they're transitioning from being partners to being friends, but that's not quite it. Um, part of me, I want- think they're beyond friends at this point. Yeah. Honestly. And you know, all I'm remembering is I, all I'm thinking of is that ending of beyond the sea, you know, where she does say like, well, I didn't need to know what my father's last words. I knew how he felt about me. He was my father. I mean, I think she is beginning to have that beyond words relationship with Mulder. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's actually a good way to put it because I do think that there is an understanding on, on both of their parts that maybe, I mean, I don't know. On the one hand, you could say they don't need to talk to each other, but that's kind of a cop out. No. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that because I think that and maybe a better writer could have made that a better, you know, and better moral in the way. 
moral isn't quite the right term, but you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, I think too that like, I don't know that I agree that Mulder and Scully don't need to talk. I mean, I don't think they talk enough, frankly. There is a difference between saying they're beyond words and saying they don't need to talk, you know, in a way. Like, I don't know. I, I, I think at the end of the day, they are still a little afraid of each other and we're still a little reticent. Um, Scully certainly is, you know, unsure if Mulder wants her honesty or wants what he wants to hear. Uh, and again, this is coming from you know, never again, you know, where she does feel limited by him. But, you know, I I, I think part of her resents that she wants to be acceptable to him without recognizing that he is going to accept her as long as she's just not bullshitting him. Does that make sense? No, it makes sense. It's just... I don't know that we have enough information or context. I mean, it, it, it feels like a conversation that we're not quite ready to have because, okay. and maybe that's another reason why the episode doesn't work. I don't know. Um, cause I just don't know that I agree with you that they're beyond words. I just don't know that I agree with that. I mean, I think that what small potatoes indicated to me more than anything else is that they want to talk to each other. They just don't know how to talk to each other. And yes, they are scared of each other a little bit. They are intimidated by each other. And I think that there is a love, there is a respect, there is a real, there is a real emotional connection there and they would do anything for each other, but they don't know how to get beyond that. Well, no, that's actually making me figure it out because at the end of Beyond the Sea, her, just because she knew what her father thought about her, there is a, still a sadness that they were never able to have that conversation and that, you know, her father died before they could figure out how to talk. I mean... I think both Scully and her dad would have liked it if they could have been more candid to each other. And it feels yeah. like a missed opportunity. It's, you know, even though she knew, it would have still been nice to hear. Even though she and Mulder know where they are, it would be good if they could talk about it. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. All right, well, I'm sure we'll have many more opportunities to talk about Mulder and Scully's relationship. So I think we'll call it an episode for now. If you have any thoughts on either of these episodes, Zero Sum or Elegy, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. As I said earlier, you can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash truckaboutshow. It also supports our other podcast, Truckabout. We are podcasting the fourth season Voyager episodes, Hunters and Prey, this week. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we are there. Tuning In Show is our username in all those places. And as always, please leave us an Apple Podcast review for tuning in. All right, next week, we have done it, Richard. We have reached the end of another season of The X-Files. Only seven more to go. (laughs) Seven to go. (laughs) Maybe eight by the time we're done. I don't quite know. Eh, The ratings for season uh, 11 haven't been looking too good, and Jillian Anderson has gone on the record as saying she's done, so I think 11 is probably where we're going to (laughs) stop. But who knows? Who knows? There were seasons without David Duchovny. There might be seasons without her. That's a conversation we can have when we get to season eight and nine, I think. <laughs> Next week, we're going to be talking about demons and Gethsemane. This is Mac. Why do you...